Hello, and welcome to our podcast that we are holding this summer for the young adult small group. This summer we are looking at uh, varying Bible characters and what they mean to us uh, as millennials and uh, their stories. This week we're talking about Hannah, isn't that right? Yes, it is. <laughs> we're talking about Miss Hannah. Hannah comes to us in the book of First Samuel, so again, Old Old Testament. The books of First and Second Samuel are fascinating. They've got a bunch of these female characters in them that have these uh, just kind of interesting leadership roles. Um, and the book really begins with Hannah's story. So Hannah travels with her husband. I'm going to try to tell the story without saying any of the names because, y'all, I'm going to say them wrong. And so we're going to skip over those parts. Um, but she travels with her husband to the temple every year to... Um, to pray, to worship, uh, this yearly pilgrimage. And her prayer has become more fervent as, as time has come because she is not able to have any children. She desperately wants to have a child um, and as of yet has not been able to. That is a pain that um, was present for her in her time and continues to be present in this time. Uh, and I think this the story can kind of help us into that conversation on infertility if we let it. Hannah's situation, though, is extra complicated because she is not her husband's only wife. He has another one, and she, of course, has children. And she's a giant jerk and rubs it into Hannah's face and makes fun of Hannah. And um, instead of retaliating, which I might do, Hannah just keeps praying and being faithful and on this one particular trip to the temple, she is there and she is um, praying, but doing so silently, just mouthing the words. And old priest Eli is looking on. Old priest is watching her. And he assumes that she is drunk. Um, and he he chastises her for making a fool of her, a drunken fool of herself. And Hannah responds to the priest and Let's him know that she is not drunk, that she is praying. Uh, shame on you, Mr. Priest. And tells him what she has been praying for, that she desperately wants to have a child. And Eli blesses her, and she goes on her way. And Hannah ends up becoming pregnant. And the thing that she has promised God in all of this prayer is that she, if she has a child, she will give that child back to God. She will dedicate that child to the temple and let him be raised there for God's purposes uh, in this house of worship. And so she does that. Uh, she has the baby. She, she tells her husband that this is what she's going to do. And so she weans the child. She probably gets him to, to three or four years old at that time. And then she goes back to the temple, back to this same priest who chastised her those years earlier. And she dedicates her son, Samuel, to the temple. And she sings this beautiful song um, that if you've read Mary's song in the Gospel of Luke, if you've read Mary's Magnificat, um, Hannah's song will sound very similar to you. Uh, it's a song of liberation and praise. So her son Samuel grows up to be the prophet Samuel, who is the first um, ordainer of kings. He's the one that ordains Saul and then David and has a long and beautiful life as a prophet in Israel. And this is the story of his mama. So I think that that's an interesting place to leave it. Hannah's prayer is fascinating. And in the Bible, there are seminal moments. And I want to introduce some theology words to y'all. And I'm going to put on my doctor hat for a second. I'll take it off quickly. It's not a good hat. 
in theology, something we take from our Anglican friends, so the people who are in England and the Episcopalians here in America, is the idea of the cosmos. And when they, a lot of their liturgy centers on this, and the cosmos is the order of the world, the order of the universe, the way that God has set up things to be. There is an order before Hannah's prayer, and there's an order after Hannah's prayer. And a lot of scholars look at these these 10 verses as something called cosmic reversal, because it starts with a localized reference in the first verse that she's just so happy that uh, she has had a baby, that she's been able to have a child. And it ends with the idea that Lord, the Lord will judge the ends of the earth and he is going to shatter those that stand against him. And this is important, is how I just referenced it. Samuel is the first one to introduce kings to Israel. It starts a new order. It starts a new day. And it also sets up this coming savior who will be a king. This woman's prayer is what resets everything and turns it all on its head and builds up this idea that there will be a savior who will be king of king and lord of lords. He is going to be this new thing. It's this new idea. It's this new day. And it comes in a woman who is patient. And a woman who was accused of being drunk and a woman who was accused of being broken, because that's what being called a drunk was. And they would say, you're, you're done. You're, you're old. You're an old drunk woman. And what she says is God takes the broken. God takes the damaged and turns the entire world, the entire cosmos, the entire order of things. You can see me. I'm really talking with my hands here on its head <laughs> and makes it a new thing and makes it a new day and makes it a new world. This happens again, and Hallie mentioned it. If you go and read Mary's Magnificat, I'll wait, uh, <laughs> you'll notice that Mary's Magnificat does the same thing. It's introducing this new order, this new world, this new thing into the way that this earth exists. It's the it's the birth of this great king. So Hannah starts it, Mary finishes it. And, and that's why you would look at Mary's song as an echo of this, as opposed to more of a recitation, I think. Yeah. It's what happens when, you, when words bounce off the surface and come back at you, and it's a new world, but it's the same idea. Yeah. So the theme that we are naming for um, for Hannah, there could be a lot of them, but is faithfulness. That um, and, and it's a particular kind of faithfulness. It's not just this quiet, meticulous uh, following the order of things. Um, Hannah's faithfulness is is a little reckless, right? So she she's being chastised by her husband's other wife. Uh, you know, her husband's trying to comfort her, trying to help her in that, and. Um, and she, she goes, anyway, She do, it doesn't matter what anyone else is saying to her. She um, has a prayer on her heart. She has a thing in mind, and she's going to go do it. Well, when the priest talks to her, I mean, it would not have been out of character for the time and place for her to just run off humiliated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she doesn't. She stands to Eli and, and defends herself and defends, really, her God who's hearing her prayer. And then she follows through on that. I, I, I don't have children yet, but I can't imagine that... Wanting and praying for a child only to give that child away is is the best feeling. Um, but she she does that. She follows through on that promise. And again, our um, redemptive imagination has to wonder. You know, she she travels to the temple every year. I don't imagine that she stopped after she's given her son to the temple. And so mm-hmm. there's still interaction between mother and son in all of those years. And wondering what those would be like is a is a pretty cool thing. Well, and there's that echo again of a woman sacrificing a son, a, fa- a father sacrificing yeah. a son, that redemption and, re- dis- and reordering takes sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And But yet she continued to pray and continued to live. Even though we don't hear from her again, mm-hmm. there's a new imagination in that, a grace in that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that does need to be lifted up about this text is, again, the infertility. We know, um, I know too well that, that this is a struggle for so many of us today. And there's a lot of these stories in our Old Testament of women who struggle to bear children. Um, and then they often end up bearing children, and it's often regarded as a sign of their faithfulness. Again, keeping things in their own place and time. It's a beautiful story, and yet if we try to impose it on ourselves here and now and say that issues of fertility are around our own faithfulness, we just know that that's not true, um, and, and we need to keep that in mind. I think probably what is more true is that Hannah's faithfulness is a sign and a signal and an inspiration to us to maintain our own trust and faith in God in the midst of all of these things that are hard. And if we're doing so like Hannah, it's to do so in such a way that's kind of reckless and ignores the order of the day and is willing to dream and imagine into the promise that you want it to be. And that that, that will get us through all of these hard things, even if even if the answer is not at the end what we, what we want and imagine it to be. Um, that, that that kind of faith requires some strength that is helpful in all of the days. And as we continue this summer, we are going to continue doing uh, studies on these Bible characters. And afterwards, we will go back to our uh, normal Thursday evening larger groups. Um, if you'd like to be a part of our groups, large or small, where can anybody find us? We are online at villageprezya.org, villageprezya.org. And you will find all the information that you need there and more. And we would love for everyone to join us, uh, 20s and 30s. Everybody's welcome.